Matthew 16. How many love the Word of God? Oh, I'm telling you, it's, I remember distinctly the time in my life when I began to see the, the Word more than just a holy book. And I began to realize that it was faith food and spiritual nourishment. Hallelujah. And begin to get a hold of some teaching and preaching that was in and of faith. You know, Paul told Timothy about being nourished up in the words of faith. That doesn't mean every sermon has to be on the subject of faith. And yet every teaching and every preaching ought to be from and in and of and to faith. Amen. And uh, one way you can tell whether it is or not is after you get through hearing it. Do you feel weaker or stronger? Do you feel encouraged or discouraged? Right? I mean, not to say the Lord won't correct you. I mean, He'll correct you. He'll rebuke you. Sometimes He'll deal strongly with you. But by the time He gets through with you, you're encouraged. You're ready to go on. You, you got, you got it straightened out and got the wrong fixed and now you're ready to go up. Hallelujah. I understand that even, uh, get, getting correction can be a very, very positive thing. You can find out what's been holding you up. Amen. It can be, you know, to find out you're wrong uh, can make you real happy. Because then you know, well, all i got to do is do this now, now it'll work. So thank God for the Word. Say it out loud. Thank God for the Word. In Matthew 16, we began this morning the passage that Jesus some words that Jesus spoke to the disciples and to us. He had uh, asked them what men were saying about who he was. And verse 16, Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How many understand that is a great confession? You believe that, don't you? Let's just all say it out loud. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Makes all the difference whether you believe that or not. All the difference. And uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. How many know that the Father is still revealing things to his people? And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of the revelation of the Christ, and faith in Jesus, the Son of God, I will build my church. I understand the church is not built on the Apostle Peter. We love him, we respect him. I'm looking forward to getting to meet him when we get to heaven. But uh, he's not my Lord. He's not my Savior, and the church is not built on him at all. But the church is built on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this foundational revelation that Jesus is not just a man, not just a prophet, not just a good teacher, but the Son of the living God. The Christ, the anointed one who was prophesied and who came and fulfilled scripture and completed our redemption. Amen. And he went on to say to him and to them and to us. And I will give to you 
the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let me read that verse again. Has he given us something? Does this belong to us? Can we take this for ourselves? Absolutely. I give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The title of our teachings is In Your Power. In Your Power. The Lord has put some things in our power. In our control. And this is a thing the devil does not want you to find out. He does not want you to understand any of this because he wants to be in control. And if you're in control, then in those areas, he's not in control. How many understand that the devil is our enemy? He's the, the Lord's enemy and that it is not the Lord's will that the devil have any control in your life. But the Lord being who he is and how he is, he has chosen not to control us but rather to put control in our hands. Now this is one reason I love him so. is because of who he is. Do you understand that God is not a Baptist God? He's not a charismatic God. He's not a Catholic God. He's not a Pentecostal God. He is God. The creator of the heavens and the earth. And he is awesome Beyond our words, beyond our understanding at the moment, he is really something. When he spoke to Moses and he said, tell the Israelites, tell them to prepare that I'm going to come visit them. Tell them to clean up, take a bath, get things in order. I'm going to come see them. And I'm sure they all got pretty excited. Wouldn't you? God's coming. Let's sweep, let's sweep the floor. Clean the house. Let's put on our good clothes. Let's comb our hair. God's coming. It might have been pretty exciting. But when he showed up early that morning and came down, not in a puff of smoke, not in a flame, but fire that engulfed a whole mountain and disappeared out of sight into heaven, it was so Awesome. It was so amazing that Moses, who had spent a lot of time close to God, seeing the similitude of God, he, he, he reports that he was so scared, he was shaking. And he spoke to them out of the fire, gave them the Ten Commandments, we call them. Spoke to them. And once the people got through hearing that, I'm sure they all were quiet while he spoke, don't you think? Raging fire and smoke and the words of the Almighty came out of this fire. And when he got through speaking, the elders representing all the people came straight to Moses and said, Please, please, you go talk to him. Because we don't think we can hear him again. We're afraid we'll die if he speaks again. They were so, you know, they, they got a glimpse of his glory and of his presence. But do you understand that God is not interested in scaring us? Do you know that 
God could manifest himself in this room right now. And in a split second, none of us would be sitting or standing. We would all paste our noses into the carpet. (laughs) And just maybe barely breathe. The Lord, he is God. The Lord. You might say, I wouldn't. He's my daddy. I'd just stand here. Yeah. You think so. Like David said, my flesh trembleth for fear of thee. And, and I don't care how much you know God. He manifests himself a certain way. You still got this flesh. And you'll tremble. You'll tremble. But he, you know, he could manifest himself in the earth right now. In such a way that not no man, no woman, no child on the planet would doubt who God is and that he is real. And all this other stuff would be over. Somebody says, why don't he do it? He doesn't want to. Why don't he just do it? He doesn't want to. It's not his plan. It's not his way. He wants us to believe on him from a free, totally free will and choice. Nothing scaring us into it. Nothing bullying us into it or intimidating us into it. Just we we hear We choose to believe. We choose to follow him. And I'm telling you one day soon, you're going to be so, you're glad right now, but you're going to be so glad you did. Because every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And you're going to be so glad that you did it now. Amen. But he being so mighty, so awesome, so great, yet he does not choose to coerce or to force. He refuses to. He will not do it. And demons are exactly the opposite. The devil is exactly the opposite. He is a forcer. He is a manipulator. He is a coercer. And people that are that way are yielding to him. Did you hear me? Don't care who they are. If you're yielding to the Holy Spirit, you are not a forcer. You are not an intimidator. You are not a manipulator or a coercer. You are not. The very moment you you get to trying to, to make somebody do something, you're away from the Holy Ghost. Did you get that now? Let me tell you something that the Lord is, te- is teaching, He's taught me and is teaching me where ministry is concerned. One of the most frustrating things as a minister concerning people in the churches or the, your own family or relatives is that you may see so crystal clear what people's problem is and what they need. And if they would do this or stop doing this, it would straighten out for them. But just because you see it, just because you know it, doesn't mean you should say anything to them about it. And I say, why not? If you if you know the answer, why don't you say it? It's not what you see and know. It's not what they need. It's what will they receive. And the Holy Ghost knows that. You don't. 
Now, I'm sure if any of you have gone very far down this road, you've probably made some mistakes. I've made some mistakes in this area. That's, that's one way I've learned some of this. Because you just so desperately want to help people. If you could, you want to grab them and just shake it into them. And just beat it in the top of their head. Quit it, you know. Do this. And it, your life will straighten out. But uh, you can do more harm than good. And when you begin to get to the place where you are pressuring people about it, then you're no longer working with the Holy Ghost. Did you hear me? Learn this about Him. If you don't want to hear Him, He won't talk to you. If you don't want to yield to Him, He'll leave you alone. He may come back and, and, and mention it to you or slightly deal with you about it, but if you want to push it aside, He'll let you. He'll back off, even if it means your life. Did you hear me? Do you understand if God, uh, through His Spirit, was going to make anybody do anything, He'd make people get saved. Because their eternal situation is hanging in the balance. And He won't do that. I said He won't do that. He'll deal with people, but if they don't want to hear it, okay. And if He's that way on the most important thing, He's that way on everything else. And if He's that way, we're not greater than Him. So we should be that way. Monitor people. If they're not wanting to hear what you got to say, be quiet. Yeah, but they need it so badly. I know it. God knows it, but it's not what they need. It's what will they receive. Right? What will they receive? And the Lord will help you. He'll show you that. He'll reveal it to you. But God is not a coercer. He will not make you do a thing. But he's put some things in your hands that you can do. I said that's one of the reasons why I love him so. He made man. Created man. Put man on the earth. Now man, because of having the free will, chose to do wrong. Bowed his knee to the enemy. And lost himself. Now God comes and through Jesus buys man back. His own creation. He buys back. Now he owns us twice over. By creation and by redemption. And instead of saying, hey, you're mine. I not only made you, but I bought and paid for my own creation And so you are going to do what I tell you to do. Mm -mm. Instead of that, he says, now you're free to choose whether you want to serve me or not. Is that greatness or is that greatness? Doesn't that make you love him? That he has all this ability, he has all this might, he has all this power, and he has rights to you. And yet, he hands you the keys. And said, it's up to you. You can serve me or not. You can believe me or not. And he is our example of dealing with our own family, dealing with everybody round about us. We ought to be absolutely no pressure. None. The Lord said this to me one time about finances and about all. He said, if you're in faith, you will put absolutely no pressure on anybody about anything. You might say, yeah, I believe that. Preachers ought not put pressure. He didn't just say preachers. If you're putting pressure on your husband, or putting pressure on your wife, 
or putting pressure on your supervisor or employer to give you a raise or putting pressure on your potential customers for sales, then you're doing just as bad as any preacher that ever got up and put pressure on people to give in an offering because you're not looking to God. And that's something else we may get into a little more later in the week here. Since how excited everybody got. (laughs) God is not a forcer. Are you clear on that? Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit. That's why when he came and descended in a bodily shape and form as a what? Dove. And set upon you. He could have manifested himself in a bodily shape and form as an elephant. Because he's big. But he didn't. He could have manifested himself in a bodily shape as a lion. Because he's strong. But he didn't. Right? As a dove. Universal symbol and emblem of peace. And gentleness. Amen? So mighty. So wise, so powerful, and yet so gentle. Notice the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, and temperance. See, so much of that has to do with the kind of, of temperament, the type of spirit that's gentle, kind, gracious. Aren't you glad God's that way? Being so big and being so strong. Aren't you glad he's not mean? I think this thing would have all been wiped out a long time ago if God was a mean God. But he's not a mean God. He's a good God. And his mercy endures forever. And he's so patient. I mean, when your patience is gone with somebody, his is just getting started. You're ready to call fire down on them. And God's not even really upset yet. And you better be glad he's that way, because he's also that way with you. (laughs) The devil is a controller. He is a coercer. He is a forcer. He, he, He wants to intimidate. He wants to make you do something. God is not that way. And the reason I've gone into all this uh, detail about this is because so many Christians are trying to leave all the control in their life up to God. And he's not going to do it. That's not his nature. That's not his way. He told us what I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. He didn't tell us he's going to bind everything that needs to be bound for us. He didn't tell us he's going to loose everything that needs to be loosed for us. He said, I give to you. The keys. Keys denote entrance and access. Keys denote the privilege of use and control. Has he given us the access? Has he given us the means of entrance and use? Has he given us control? Not total control of everything, but has he given us some control? In your life, you have a lot of control. Now, the devil doesn't want you to believe this because he wants the control. And if he can get you to believing and keep you in a state of deception that you're not in control. And and it's really, I mean, it's so, what other word can you use? So devilish. That the devil has people believing that God's in control. So that he can be in control. Did you get that or not? 
God has said, I give you the keys. I give you the control. And the devil comes to people and says, you're not in control at all. God's in control and you better be submissive to him and just admit it that God has all the control and you don't. And everything that happens in your life, God's in control. And if he can get you to believe that, then he, the enemy, is able to have control. Because people are saying, God, you know, we're just leaving it up to you. And the Lord said, you can't do that. I left it up to you. Yeah, but we're leaving it up to you. Yeah, but I left it up to you. The devil says, I'll take it. I know it's a simplified version, but it's true. It's true. Everybody said out loud, I have the keys of the kingdom. I have control. I can bind. I can loose. Now see, bind means you, you, you can stop something. You can shut it up. You can cut it off. Or you can allow something. You can permit something. You can set something in motion. You can do it with your faith. You can do it with your words. You can do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you do it here on the earth and heaven backs you up. Heaven allows what you allow. And heaven will back up you stopping something down here. We have some control. It's a good feeling. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Amen. Are we in authority? Do we have some control? Man, I can just sense it. The devil just so does not want you to understand this. He, he does not want you to get this. Too late. Tough. We'll just camp on it until it just breaks through all barriers. I want you to grab hold of this with your whole heart, with your whole mind and soul and being. I want you to just go around saying, I have some control. You see what I'm talking? Get up in the morning and just look at yourself in the mirror and go, I've got a lot of control. I've got control. I'm in control. People say, well, God's in control. That's a nice phrase. Is God in control of everything going on in the earth? If he is, it's a lot of bad stuff happening. Huh? Now I know, you know, this, you're kicking some sacred cows when you get to talking about some of these things. But does the Bible say that God is in control of everything that's happening? Is he responsible for everything? Why would Jesus tell his disciples and us, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? If his will is already being done in its perfection on the earth, why pray that it would be? No, there's a whole lot of stuff happening down here that's not his will, that's not pleasing to him. Well, why doesn't, if he, is he not in control? The Lord said, said it to me this way. Because I was thinking about, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in this earth. There are a lot of people that are really suffering, really hurting. I mean being physically destroyed, being mentally destroyed, being in every way that you can imagine. Things too horrible to speak of. Does, is, is that okay with God? Is that of Him? Does He, does He have some mystical purpose in, 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 you know, doing this and causing it to happen that we don't know about? A lot of people would tell you yes. They'd tell you, look, just don't question the, the mysterious will of God. 
You cannot tell me that God is in little children starving to death. Absolutely. You cannot tell me that God is in the, the, the horrors that occur in wars. No. The Lord said it to me this way. He said, son, because I was thinking about this one day and I'm going over these things in my heart and mind thinking, God, what? How, how do you understand this? And the Lord said to me, he said, son, all of the bad things that are in the earth are happening because man has a free will. That's why. Why? I mean, that's, that's from the very beginning, isn't it? In the garden? Why did death come? Why did the curse come? Because man has a free will and has chosen too many times the wrong thing. And God is going to allow the man and the woman to do that. It's amazing that people try to attribute everything that has happened or hasn't happened in their life to the will of God. But if you stand up today and you say, everything that has happened in my life has been the perfect will of God. Then you just got through saying, I have never done anything in my life except the perfect will of God. Are you with me? But no, there's a lot of things have happened in your life and mine that should not have happened, would not have happened, if we had always known and done the perfect will of God. Hmm? But because we have a free will, because we have a choice, then it's in our control. I said, it's in our control. Everybody say, it's in my control. One more time, in my control. In my control. Now this morning, we begin talking about that our mind and our soul is in our control. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about that we are to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Can I control my thought life? Who's in control of my mind? Is God going to control my mind for me? That'd sure be nice. But it's not the way it is. And no needing you pleading, pleading and begging and saying, God, you know, help me. In fact, the Lord gave me a sermon one time titled, Help Lord. And, and he, he brought to my remembrance and realization of how so many people are praying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Help me with this. Help me with this area of my life. Help me with that area of my life. And he said, son, it's difficult for me to do anything with them because they're not really saying what they mean. What they mean is, do it for me. If you say, you know, if I say, you know, Brent, would you come over to my house and help me with some yard work? And he was gracious enough to say, yeah, I'm going to come. And then when he comes... I say, well, I'm glad you're here, man. Uh, you know, go ahead and do a good job. And I go in and lay down on the sofa. Is he helping me? Huh? Helping means he's assisting me do, to do something. No, he's doing it for me. And I didn't say it right. 
I should have said, would you do it for me? Well, the Holy Ghost is not the one, the paraclete, the one who goes ahead and does it for you. (laughs) He is what? The one called to your side to help you or to aid. Well, you know, if I said, you know, Brent, come help me. And he said, well, what are you doing? I'm laying on the sofa. Well, then he should come lay on the sofa. Because that's what I'm doing. He said, well, I'm helping you. Now I'm going to drink some iced tea. Well, I'm drinking iced tea because I'm helping you. He would be assisting me in what I'm doing. Do you see why so many people have the situation they've got? The Holy Ghost is helping them as much as he can. There just ain't much to help. Help me quit smoking. What people are saying is make me quit. Or do it for me. you got to do something. Help me lose weight. Help me with my money. (laughs) Help me with my temper. See, what so many people are doing, they're agonizing, they're serious, they're they're crying in the floor, but really what they mean is, do it for me. Fix it. Turn me into somebody else. Take control of my mind. Take control of my appetites. It ain't going to happen. Not now, not 20 years from now. If you decide to do something, he will help you with it. And help you wonderfully. And help you. Oh his grace is wonderful. But there's got to be something to help. It's like sowing and reaping. Zero times a million is what? Zero. (laughs) If you want something to be prospered. To be multiplied. It's got to be something. He can't bless nothing. He can't multiply nothing. But the Lord has put things in our control. Our mind and our soul, He's not going to control for us. Your thought life, your feelings, that's why He tells us, keep your mind stayed on me. Think on these things. Right? And if you will do that, then you're yielding to Him. He'll help you. He'll bless you. But you've got to do something with it. And I'll tell you, I have dealt with people. That's so hard to help them because they kept telling me, I I can't help it. I try not to think about it, but I can't help it. They've become convinced they can't control their mind. You get that way and you're in big trouble. I said, the Lord himself can't help you. I know that's a huge statement, but it's true. Because you believe something other than what he has said. I know a young man uh, that came right out of the institution. Totally lost his mind. I worked with him in my office for a whole day with seemingly little success. I mean, he could not hold an intelligent conversation with you at all. He made sounds. He, he dribbled and did stupid stuff. And you might, you know, you talk to him and try to get him to tell you his name. He might tell you part of his name 20 minutes later. That kind of stuff. Just out of here. Gone. And the Lord just dealt with me how to help him. And so just one-on-one, he and I, you know, I, I just worked on him. I just called to, I called for a response out of his spirit and just ignored what he was saying out of his mind. Now, we went over this some this morning, but you don't get that way just like that. Did you hear me? People lose their minds because little by little they relinquish control of them. And if you don't use your mind, it gets weak. 
And if you just let yourself think on any and everything and, and let's let your mind be carried around with any thought that comes to you, you do that long enough, you'll get weaker and weaker minded and you'll lose more and more control. That's how people lose their mind. And that phrase is accurate. You lose it. You lose control of it. Might be a more accurate way to say it. And it could happen to anybody. It never has to happen to anyone. But if you, if you just yield yourself, but that could have been stopped. No matter who they were, it could have been stopped before it ever got started. If instead of thinking about that problem and worrying and fretting, that it just said, no, I'm not going to think about that. Pull their mind back on the right thing that never even came, come close to losing their mind. But people yield. So I, I stayed on it. And there was a, there was a wrong spirit there. I knew that. But, you know, people have to want to get set free. You can't just do things for them. Now, there's one thing. We got control in our lives. But we don't just have total control in other people's lives. You know, you wish you could just straighten everybody's life up for them, but you can't. And I just stayed on it. I just stayed on it calling for a response. Finally, he looked at me at one point and he said, quit. I said, no. One of the most only intelligent things he said all day. And it was that spirit. I said, no. I worked with that young man for three days. Until he could sit and talk just as soberly and just as clear-minded as anyone I've ever spoken to. But I, I still didn't have a, a satisfaction in my spirit. He walked out of my office after that third day and the receptionist and the people that were in there couldn't, I mean, they were startled. They, they thought, is that the same man? Just walked out just as polite and intelligent, had his right mind. But I was troubled because he wouldn't tell me he had control. He'd tell me about these voices and about that. I said, listen, do not hear them. Do refuse to listen and pay attention to that. You've got to block it off. You've got to control your mind and hold it over here in the right area. He said, well, I, I try, but I said, no try. It's your mind. You can do it. And it was through these things that we got him back. But I found out later that he went back the same way. Wound up, you know, the same basket case situation he was. I went back to find out. I, I couldn't handle that. I thought, I've, I've got to find out what happened here. And finally, it took me almost a half a day with him. And finally, I got him to say, I said, what happened to you? And he said, well, these things, these thoughts and feelings came back. And I just, I just yielded to him. I said, why? He said, well, I just can't help it. I said, you can. He said, I can't. I said, you can. And it wasn't the spirit that, that, that held him in, in such control. It was his believing the lie that he could not control his mind. Truth makes you free. Lies put you in bondage. Lies make you susceptible to bondage. Said out loud, my mind, my mind is my mind. My mind. I'm, in I'm in control of my mind. Say this out loud. I will never, I will never lose, my mind. lose my mind. Never. And I say, well, you know, we sure hope we don't know. There's no reason why anybody ever has to lose their mind. God didn't give you a mind so you could lose it. But you, this is, you know, I know it sounds redundant and maybe oversimplistic, but this is the foundation of the thing. You've got to believe I can control my mind all the time. 
Nobody, nothing can make me think or make me dwell or make me ponder or meditate things I don't want to. Nothing can. No one can. God won't. The devil can't. People can't. They can bug you, but they can't. They have to. You just put your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 la. Not thinking about that. <laughs> but don't yield to it. Are you with me? All right. Also, we mentioned with this that you are in control. You're in control of your soul. Your emotions. Your feelings. You do not have to just yield to them. And be upon and controlled by your feelings. You might, I hope you don't think this is irrelevant now. Because there's people that won't even come out of their bedroom for days. Why? Just because of their feelings. Feelings can come from numerous sources. The enemy can bring feelings to you. But it doesn't mean you have to yield to them. You can be going along just doing fine. Have you, has this ever happened to you? You're going along just doing fine. And all at once, you've got some crummy feelings. Just lousy feelings. Now here you got a choice. Same thing with thoughts. You can be just making it fine. And here some bad thoughts come to you. What are you going to do? Right here. Do you yield to the wrong thoughts? Or do you take a stand and say, I'm not thinking on that. I'm not yielding to that feeling. You do not have to yield to feelings of depression. You do not have to yield to feelings of fear. Now, this is a great revelation. This will set you free, friend. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil. Wonder if he felt afraid. People like to imagine that when David faced Goliath, that he had no fear, no feelings of fear. That when they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, that they were just bold and head up and chest out and said, we're ready. Are you kidding? They got a mind just like you, a body just like you. And boy, in a situation like that, it'll scream at you. But you don't have to yield to that. I said you don't have to yield to that. And the stronger you become in your spirit. You're no longer controlled and moved by feelings. If when you come into work or you come into church. If people can tell just by being around you a few minutes. Whether you're having marriage problems. Whether you're having money trouble or this or that. Then you're not very spiritual. Did you hear me? Why? Because you just yield and do your feelings. And if you do that, you're going to be a yo-yo. Up and down. Up and down. And People won't enjoy being around you. They'll never know exactly what to expect. The more like Jesus you become, the more consistent you become. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you glad? You don't come boldly before the throne of grace and the angel meets you and say, you know, I wouldn't go in there today. (laughs) It's been a lot of bad stuff happening in a certain part of the country and and the Lord is not happy today. I'd 
I'd check uh, maybe end of the week. And yet a lot of people are that way. A lot of Christians are that way. Ministers. I don't, you know, I've been around people that bless their heart, you know, you better let them get their coffee. You better let them do their little routine and kind of get sorted. And if things are going real bad, you know, you just kind of got to tiptoe around them. That's being carnal. Now, we've all got feelings, and, and some things can be really challenging to deal with, but you'd never have to just yield to the way you feel. Walking in the Spirit is not walking by feelings. Hmm? Walking by faith is not walking by feelings. This will answer a myriad of questions for you in the areas of walking in love. Amen? So people think, some people wrongly think, that if I'm walking in love with you, I just have all these wonderful feelings for you. I'm just walking in love. Actually, the opposite is true. You're walking in love the strongest when you feel like slapping somebody. (laughs) You, You feel like telling them where to get off. You You feel like, you know, telling them what to do, and you don't. If people really are mean and bad to you, you're going to have some feelings. Some people try to act like, well, no, brother, I've been sanctified and I've attained to a place where I no longer have those feelings. You'd like to do an experiment with them. Put them in a chair on the platform and then go, pow. How do you feel, brother? Tell me. Pow. How do you feel now? You got flesh. You're going to have feelings when people are mean to you, uh, they're unfaithful to you, they're not loyal, they let you down, they do you wrong, they stab you in the back. You're going to have feelings. But the good news is, you don't have to yield to them. I said, you don't have to yield to them. And you can catch yourself right in the middle of it. You can say, well, let me tell you something. I want you to know that Jesus loves you, and so do I, and I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> and you feel like picking up the phone. I mean, you, you feel like it's strong, picking up the phone and calling their boss and just telling them that thing that will probably get them fired right now. Do You pick up the phone and you call the florist. And send them some flowers. <laughs> or a box of candy. Or send them an offering. Bless them. Didn't the Bible say do good? Do good to those that persecute you? Do harm against you? Pray for them? Huh? Somebody said, well, I don't feel like it. Who does? Who do you think does? It's a deception to think that everybody that's just spiritual had just feels wonderful toward everybody else. No, you don't. You're, you got flesh. Your flesh hasn't been born again. Your mind's still in the process of being renewed. But the, the important thing is that you control it. Hmm? Doesn't come overnight. I know, uh, 
my dad put me in a martial arts school when I was 10 because I kept getting beat up at school. <laughs> I mean, I'd come in every other day with my nose busted, <laughs> you know, and finally he said, boy, we got to do something with you. You get beat up all the time. So he put me in a, it was an old school, martial arts school. When I say old school, it was the old philosophy. Grandson of the founder in Okinawa was head of the thing. We wore no pads. Concrete floor. You couldn't lean up against it. If you leaned up against the wall, it's like a hundred push-ups and stuff you didn't want to get into. And, uh, which, you know, all of which was good for me. But one thing I learned early on, I sparring a guy that was about twice my size. And he kicked me in the ribs and it hurt. I was only about 11 or 12. And I got up and I'm holding this like this and I'm mad, you know, boy. I, I went for him and he just creamed me. And my instructor pulled me aside. He said, mistake, big mistake. When you're mad, you're out of control. And never let the enemy know that he's gotten to you. I use that today. I said I use that today. You ever watch boxing? A guy gets hit in the eye. What does his opponent begin to do? Work on that eye. Is that right? Someone said, that's mean. That's fighting. And the enemy is a lot worse than that. Hmm? But I learned if I had, you know, if I had a sore place, don't let him know it. Because it just encourage him to go for it. Right? So sometimes, I mean, it, it takes some strength. To, to not wince and to not give in to that, but you can do it. I said, you can do it. And so when the enemy is getting to you, don't, don't give him the satisfaction of wailing and hollering and crying about it. It's very discouraging to your opponent when they reach down to their toes and they put everything they've got into that punch and you step back two steps and wipe your mouth and go, hmm, come on. <laughs> Now, you may feel like your head's about to fall off, but it is it does a mind thing on him. Is that right? And I'm challenging you. I'm calling you. When the enemy throws his best punch, when he gets to you, don't let him know it. Your feelings are screaming, I can't take this anymore. I can't take You just calm them down and just go, I'm standing. I don't care if you feel like he's got you on the ropes. You got one eye closed and the other is a little bit open. <laughs> and you feel, you feel like I'm on my last breath. Through it, I want you to say, I'm winning. <laughs> I'm winning. I'm finishing this up right now. I'm winning. And I'm telling you, if you've got that kind of spirit, you cannot be conquered. Because the greater one in you, if he has to carry you through it, he will pick you up. But if you're going to be a spiritual baby, and every time somebody looks crosswise at you or doesn't do something for you, you cry, you go in and fall across the bed and use a half a box of Kleenex and can't go to work the next day. Now, I'm talking to some people right now. And people, people excuse it with their hyper-spiritual reasons. People say, well, yes, but I, I have just a, a mercy spirit. And that's my ministry, and so I'm just sensitive 
to things. And I, I can't help it. It's just my car. No, no, you're just carnal. You're just a baby. It's true. Grow up. There's no sign of, of, of good spiritual sensitivity. Spiritual sensitivity is sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Not being hypersensitive to people hurting you. I mean, any sinner can do that. Can't any sinner get their feelings hurt? Take any special Holy Ghost spirituality for that. Everybody said out loud, my feelings are my feelings. I can control them. Let's talk about anger for a minute. I have worked with people before that told me that they couldn't control their anger. I didn't believe them. I wouldn't believe you. It's a lie. There is no man or woman who cannot control their anger. There are people who don't control their anger, but they could if they would. Now, the more you yield to something, the worse it gets. Hmm? And you can yield to something to the point where it's, it almost seems like you're not in control, but you got that way by yielding in the beginning. And you can stop it. No matter how badly it's gotten out of hand, you can stop it. And it's amazing. I've seen big guys, you know, 6'4", 250 pounds, couldn't control his temper and slaps his wife around. But it's amazing. You put him beside a guy that's, that's uh, you know, 6'7", 275, and some way or another he can control himself. <laughs> he finds some self, he doesn't just start beating on him. Because he knows he's going to get it back and worse. No, listen to me. People do what they can get away with. And it is a lie and it is a deception to say, I can't help it. I just, you know, people want, like we were talking this morning, they like to adhere to the no-fault religion. I couldn't help it. I don't want to do it, but I couldn't help it. It's a lie. I said it's a lie. It is a lie. Nobody has to yield to their temper. What did the Bible say? Be angry and what? Then are you going to tell the Lord, I tried not to. <laughs> I know you told me to and I tried not to, but I couldn't. Is he going to say, yeah, I know. You're an exception. Most, you know, most everybody can control their temper, but yours is so bad that you just get out of hand and you don't know what you're doing and you can't help yourself. And I, it's, I understand. I'm, I'm going to excuse you on that. It ain't happening. You are totally responsible. For even every idle word that you say, much less words that you say with hatred, things that you say that hurt people, that you just weren't conscientious enough about what you were saying, you're responsible for it. The Lord, now see, you know, people can get all these lawyers and plead temporary insanity, and, and they're judges and, and human beings, juries that are foolish enough to buy all that, but God doesn't buy it. I said, God does not buy it. Somebody said, yeah, but they were, maybe they were insane. Yeah, but how'd they get that way? I said, how did they get that way? It didn't start. You weren't just walking down the street and boom, I got a devil. People start yielding. They yield their mind. They yield their voice. They yield their words. They yield their hands. And it gets worse and it gets worse until people can wind up being taken over, that kind of thing. But it didn't start like that. 
and didn't happen that way for a long time. Say it out loud, it'll never happen to me. Because I will always control my mind and my feelings. Now, don't misunderstand me. You can't, if you feel a certain way, you can't necessarily just blink your eyes and feel differently. Hmm? But you don't have to yield to them. I mean, if you lose a loved one, they go home to be with the Lord. It's normal to feel grief. You know, sometimes people leave the impression if you have enough faith and you walk close enough with God, well, you won't even have any grief. That's not true. That's not true. You're still human. You have a soul. And you're going to feel that. Hmm? But you shouldn't be unable to operate two years later. Did you hear me? If that's the case, then you are yielding to these feelings and letting your mind go in areas it shouldn't go. I know I was ministering to a friend of mine that had lost a, a, somebody close to them. And uh, the, the Lord led me to pray that way, that they wouldn't let their mind go in the areas that it shouldn't go. There's certain things you just, there's no profit, there's no future in thinking on them. Right? And if you focus on the truth, well, especially if they're a Christian, the truth is they're with the Lord. Far better than being here. Wouldn't come back in no way, no how. If they could. And uh, you'll see them soon. Even if you live to be 125, you'll see them soon. Right? Times are passing. And there's just no reason to grieve and sorrow like those who have no hope. So you don't yield to the wrong feelings. Say it one more time. My mind is my mind. I think on what I want to. I don't think on what I don't want to. No one, nothing can make me think something I don't want to. My feelings are my feelings. I yield to the ones I want to. I don't yield to the ones I don't want to. If you're growing this, I don't care if you've got a reputation all over town for being a hothead. You can change so much until you get to the place where you are fuming mad and nobody knows it. And that's control. Amen? And if you're going to be spirit-led, you've got to be that way. We've, we've had people help, I've had people help me in prayer school and healing school at Rama for years. We've got our own employees in ministry. And there have been a few times where people just really did something I didn't want them to do and messed up real big. And maybe it, maybe it rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm, I'm primed to set them straight. And, and to let them know in, in no uncertain terms how this thing is working and how it's supposed to work. And, uh, but I pray a little prayer and check my heart. And no matter what you've got planned, once you get into it, you want to follow the leading of the Lord. And once they got in the room, all I could do was talk to them in soft tones and encourage them. And yet after my natural nature, I was ready to just, you know, straighten them out. And there's been other times when people didn't seem like they messed up too bad and the Spirit of God prompted me. They, really, they need some real correction because it's not just a simple mistake. It's an attitude. It's, it's some rebellion here and some real problems. If you don't deal with it now, it's going to get out of hand. And if we're just motivated by our feelings, we're not going to be led by the Spirit. Because there'll be times you think you ought to be strong and He'll lead you to be soft. And times you think you ought to be soft, He'll lead you to be strong. And How many want to be Spirit-led, not emotion-led, not... Not feeling that. Well, you got to believe you're in control. 
You can get up in the morning and feel like 40 miles of muddy road. Anybody know what that is? I mean, that's a long, that's a long trip. That's a hard trip. You can, like one fellow said, you can feel lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. You can feel, you can feel bad. But I understand you don't have to act the way you feel. I intended to already be past this, but that we, we don't need to. Go to Ephesians. While you're going there, say it out loud. My feelings are my feelings. I yield to the ones that are good. I don't yield to the ones that are not good. Hallelujah. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Thank you, Lord. So I, I, well, let me say, like, I don't know what you expected to hear tonight or in these services, but I didn't expect to say these things to you either. But I think this is what we need. And, uh, man, if, you, if you're in control all the time of your mind and of your emotions and feelings, we're going to talk later about your body, about your money, you're going to be in, you're going to be in, in good shape, aren't you? And you might say, well, yeah, but I want God to be in control. Yeah, but he's not going to do it for you. He'll help you do it. And if you do what he tells you to do by taking control, then he really will be in control. Amen. The devil will be out. But you can't, you can't leave up to him what he's left to you. Christians have tried it for centuries. <laughs> unsuccessfully. Ephesians 4, are you there? Ephesians 4, verse 23. Well, let me back up, back up. Verse 22. Put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on, everybody say put on. Put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put on the new man. Now see just a a couple of verses later, verse 26, he says be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Verse 29, don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, verse 30. Be kind. Walk in love, 5-2. This is not based on your immediate feelings. This is not you yielding to every thought that comes to your mind. But it's something you put on. Everybody say, put on. Put on. Alan, won't you help me out here just a minute, brother, would you? Stand up. Take your jacket off, if you would. And let me hold it. Let me hold it. Turn around if you would, please, and face everybody. What if uh, Brother Allen was saying, you know, man, I'm cold. I am so cold. Let's say it was January up here. And, uh, and he said, I am cold. Whoo, Brother Keith, I'm cold. And I said, well, here, man, put your coat on. Put it on. And he said, uh, no, I am not a put on. I'm not a put on. I said, well, <laughs> but I'm so cold. 
Whew, Brother Keith, I'm cold. I just, whew, I wish I could get warm. And I said, well, here, brother, put this on. And he said, no, I'm not a put on. Is he going to get warm? Why? Because he just believes that if a fellow's cold, he ought to say he's cold. <laughs> if he feels cold, he's going to say he's cold. And he's not a hypocrite, and he's not going to say that he's going to put on a coat and be warm if he's not. Now you're laughing, but people do this every day in their Christian walk. Yeah, but I'm so cold. Help me, Brother Keith, I need to get warmed up. Well, here, man, let's put this on. I ain't putting on. And I told you, I am not a put on. I'm real. <laughs> yeah, real carnal. Real walking, not that he is, but real walking by sight. Well, now let's say if Alan's going to yield, he said, all right, all right. And he put it on. Let's, let's just stop right here. No, about halfway. He put it on about halfway. Is he going to be instantly warm? No. Uh-uh. All right, let's go ahead and put it on all the way. And if he was really, really cold, now the instant we get this on, is he going to be warm? No. But he's got to keep it on for a while. Is that right? And after he's got it on for a while, he'll start warming up. And it may take a little while, but he'll begin to feel warmer. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Can you see that? But what if you get up in the morning and you feel depressed? Hmm? What if you get up in the morning and you feel mean? Are you laughing? People do. They just get up ornery, just flat ornery. Mean. What if you get up and feel depressed? What if you get up and feel hopeless? Put on the new man. Put it on. Amen. Can you put on joy? Can you put on hope? Can you put on peace? Can you put on love? Yes, you can. I said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Now, the moment you put it on, let's say I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling lousy. I'm feeling lousy. I'm feeling bad. But I go ahead and put the joy on. I put, glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I'm happy and I'm glad. I don't feel it. Just like when you put that coat on, you don't feel warm instantly. I don't feel it. But if I just keep it on and just keep putting it on. Amen. And just keep putting it on. After a while, I have a little, whoo, yeah, there, there we go. I felt a little bit of joy there. Amen. And you just keep it on long enough, you're going to feel some real joy. But we got people who never do. They just wallow and stay in their junk. Why? Because they're real. And I'm not a put on. And I'm not going to put on that I'm happy and I'm not. And I'm certainly not going to put on that I like you because I don't. They think they're being so genuine, so real, and they're being so carnal, so unchristlike. No, you can feel lousy and shout like you're happy. Amen. Will it help you? You know it will help you. 
You can feel afraid and distraught like you are walking. You can feel that you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But what do you do? I don't care if your knees are bumping. I don't care if the hair is sticking up on the back of your neck and goosebumps are double parked on your arms. <laughs> what do you say? You say, I refuse to be afraid. And the devil's saying, refuse? You are way past that. You're scared silly. You say, uh, I refuse to be afraid. I will not fear. He can't stand that kind of thing because he, he can't do anything with that. But that's walking by faith instead of feelings. That's you being in control. And I'm telling you, if through the fear, if through the tears, if through the oppression and depression feelings, you'll just say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm more than a conqueror through him. And just begin to say and begin to say and put it on. Your feelings will change. Have to. They have to yield to the power of the word, the power of the spirit. But you first have to. Put it on. How many put-ons do I have in here? Come on. Come on. Putting on the new man. I know me. Just because you don't like them, you act like you like them. Because in your heart, you do. It's just your flesh that's giving you trouble. The love of God has been shed abroad in, in, in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You see them through the Lord's eyes. He loves them. Doesn't mean he loves all their junk, but he loves them. You don't have to love all their junk. But you love them. Amen. People say, well, the Lord loves me just the way I am. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> he loves you. But he don't love all your ways. He don't love all your junk. No. And I love you, but I don't have to love all your junk either. And you don't have to love anything that's not right with me. But we do love each other. Amen. You do that by faith. And you do it the way you walk in it is by controlling your feelings. Instead of yielding to fear, yielding to anger, be angry and what? Don't sin. You can get mad. I mean, sometimes things just jump on you, boy, and it bothers you. It aggravates you. But you can be cool. Amen? I've done it before with people. I was so mad. But they never knew it. They never knew it. And thank God later on, I, you know, I got it. it. It left me. But I didn't sin. Remember Jesus, one time walking, you know, to, the, to Jerusalem. He got there and he saw the money changers and he saw all the stuff that was going on and that his place, his house that, that bore the name of God, that was supposed to be a place of continuous prayer and the presence of God had turned into a greed pit. It was all about money. And it was just the whole spirit of it was so bad. He walked there. He looked through that whole thing. You know what made him mad? But he turned around and left. Didn't he? Now he came back later and drove him out. In total control. Did you hear me? Sometimes your children need disciplining. Might need a spanking. But that doesn't mean that you do it in anger. Did you hear me? Employee or helper might need some correction, but that doesn't mean that you, you know, you, you need to get it, get that out of you and see the right course to take and then do it soberly, amen, properly in love and do what you need to do, but not, so said out loud, I refuse to let my feelings control me. They will not. 
Amen. I can feel mad and act glad. I can feel down and act up. Amen. I can feel like I don't like you at all and act like I like you. Somebody said, that's being a hypocrite. No, it's, it's walking by faith because in your heart you really do. Amen. And if you keep doing it, those feelings will change. Can you say amen? Uh, go with me to Psalm and I'll share with you a couple of thoughts and then we'll, we'll close. Psalm 131. I tell you, back up to Psalm 42. I'll just take just an extra, extra minute here and read these. Psalm 42. I want you to say it out loud. I am not helpless. I do have control. The Lord has given me the rights, the authority, the power, the keys to the kingdom. I have control. Amen. Now we're talking about primarily now about yourself. We've already said concerning other people it's limited. But concerning yourself, you do have control. In Psalm 42, let's read a couple of things about your soul that that will keep you in good good condition. Psalm 42, verse 11, says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Is David talking to his soul? Yeah. You ever talk to your soul? <laughs> Be a good time to start. Right? This is the Bible. It's for us. I'm serious now. You, you, if, you, if you don't feel so hot, talk to your soul. Say, so look, soul, you can't feel like that. I'm not, I'm not letting you stay there. Come on up. Why are you cast down? So, so who are you talking to? Your soul? My own soul. Soul, what's wrong with you? You hope in God. Stir up and have some expectancy in God and praise Him. God's done too, too much for you, for you to wallow around like this and act like this. Come on. Step up. Psalm 103 that you know it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's telling his soul. He's talking. Who's he talking to? Somebody else? No, his soul. It within himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Well, I don't feel like it. I didn't ask you if you felt like it. Stand up. Yeah, but I want to cry. No, you're going to stand up and praise God. I'm not you talking to yourself. Get yourself by the ear. Get yourself by the nap of the neck and say, now come on, you stand up here and you praise God. Yeah, but I don't feel like, I didn't ask you if you felt like it. Here we go. And if you need to shout, or if you need to praise God, whatever you need to do. Amen. Psalm 131 verse 2. Psalm 131, and this, this describes the maturing process of gaining more control over your own feelings and soul. The psalmist said in Psalm 131, 2, he said, Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. When you first take that bottle away, there's going to be some crying going on. But eventually, the child will be totally weaned. Is that right? And if you've been yielding to your feelings all the time, well, you're going to be pulled to do it again. But wean yourself. I said wean yourself. 
Yeah, but I don't feel good. And I, you know, see, it's yielding to the flesh to just go back to bed when you feel bad. No, get yourself by the ear, drag yourself into the closet and put on some of your best stuff and go and fix yourself up real good. If you have to get two toothpicks and prop up the corners of your mouth, (laughs) you do it and you say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be really glad in it. And your flesh says, we're having a bad day. Shut up. The day's barely started. It's a good day in the Lord. Amen. You live like that. Nothing can defeat you. Nothing can get you down because you'll be walking in faith and God will honor that faith and you will not fail. Stand up and praise the Lord. How about it? Hallelujah. Thank you for giving us control. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.